I'm Cameron Martz, Vice President of Marketing for the UT Ice Falls and contributor to Penalty Box Radio, and you're listening to Outside Smashville with Sam Fleming. Or walk down the street, signs is Nashville, Tennessee. But I have found it's a crazy town full of neon dreams. Everybody plays, everybody sings. Hollywood with a touch of twang. To be a star, you gotta bang, bang, bang. In no strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it, we're all just trying to make it. In this crazy town. Back again on Outside Smashville. We're finally in the new year, 2020, and led in by a good friend, the Vice President of Marketing and Contributor for Penalty Box Radio, Cameron Martz, leads us in. You can follow her on Twitter at CamiK14 and give her Ice Falls a follow at UT Ice Falls Hockey. John Bucci-Gross just had a jersey on um, in the crease on ESPN Plus and Sports Center as well. So make sure to give them a follow. But since we couldn't get the episode five up before the Winter Classic, we decided to re-film episode five, or retape it, I should say. I decided to bring a guest with me, a good friend, a contributor for Penalty Box Radio, also happens to be my head coach in men's league right now. Abby Miles joins me here on the podcast. Abby, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So... Funny thing is, I was looking for everybody at Penalty Box Radio, and turns out Abby was the only one I got to see, and she was two sections over <laughs> from me at the Cotton Bowl. Conveniently so. enough. Conveniently. <laughs> um, but that's what we're going to talk about here in this first segment. Um, we're going to touch on our experiences at the Winter Classic and talk about the 2021 Winter Classic and the rumors of the stadium series possibly being in Nashville. So I've got to ask you, the Cotton Bowl was filled. Eight, over 85,360 people, I think, is what they said in attendance. Over 20,000 of them Predators fans. But if you want to go off realism, it's 85,361 with Corey Perry sitting in the stands. Um, just your overall thoughts about being in Dallas for that Winter Classic. It was definitely a new experience uh, just being in Dallas, first of all, because I've never been down there. Um, it was a lot of people trying to be funneled into one area, whether it was the midway or getting into the Cotton Bowl itself, um, taking the train, it was packed full. It was ridiculous how little you could move and how you had to just set yourself up to make sure that you were in the right place at the right time. Um, But I really, I had a lot of fun. Dallas fans were surprisingly nice Um, for the time that I had. I didn't deal with any bad fans for the most part. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, sitting where I was with a couple of my friends. All of them were so welcoming and glad that everyone was in Dallas for a celebration of hockey. And, you know, there was one Dallas fan who came up and said, I just went to Nashville for a game and was part of Smashville when they played the Lightning back at the start of December. And he said that was the coolest experience I've ever been a part of. So thanks to all the Dallas fans for being welcoming. But I've got to talk about the crowds out there. There were times you felt like you were on the L.A. freeway with all those people trying to move through the Cotton Bowl. In in theory, there was more Predators fans at the Cotton Bowl than can fit in Bridgestone Arena. Just think about that for a second. Yeah, it was basically like a Preds home game, except plus 60,000 other Dallas Stars fans. But... Preds fans definitely showed out. That was crazy. 
And, you know, talk about the Cotton Bowl. How complicated was that trying to figure that thing out? Oh, it's such it's such an old venue with so much history that trying to put a new game and a new atmosphere in there was definitely a complicated situation. But, I mean, for the most part, it was handled pretty well. Once you got into the Cotton Bowl itself, it took a little bit to get up to your section. But it was the midway that was really tough. You could not go anywhere. But, I mean, I had a good time. You couldn't go anywhere there or go anywhere near the merch lines, especially if you went in that main gate, though. You're the one that made it to the merch line. When I got there, it was wrapped around. It probably would have taken me an hour just to get in the merch tent. Right, and I I cut in the back way. I didn't go in the main gate. (laughs) I think everybody wanted to go in that main gate because that's the famed entrance to the Cotton Bowl. But um, And NBC was up there. They had the Truly Bar out there, the Midway, everything. But I've got to say, too, both teams – put on a great show and it was said that it never could be done to play it in dallas there's no chance they can play outdoors they did it in anaheim but i've got to say the cotton bowl the city of dallas the nhl did a fantastic job with the theme and the feel of that winter classic you definitely felt like you were in dallas with the pig races which the preds won roham yossi big pig winner right there (laughs) but it it was such a cool experience how they made it western themed the guys dressing up as the men in black for the predators i i think that was the coolest thing and how loud the chants were throughout the game from dallas fans it felt like a college football game in there almost it did so go ahead (laughs) go ahead no you no it was just surprising how well represented both teams were and i was listening to um uh, Gary Bettman's interview on Thursday on the drive back home, and he was just talking about how this co- like this Winter Classic really proved how Southern hockey really does work, and how two non traditional hockey markets really came together. And what was it, the second largest crowd second for largest. second largest crowd in NHL history for a Winter Classic game? And I think that's that just proves that Southern hockey is real and it works. These two teams met in the playoffs, too. I think we mentioned that. I don't that. want to talk about that. No. Okay, we'll move, we'll move on. But I will ask you one thing. Keep the jerseys, both teams, yes or no, as alternates permanently. Um, well, I really I really like the Preds jerseys. The Stars jerseys were kind of questionable. <laughs> um, just because some things were highlighted without them really realizing it. Um, but I really like the Stars gloves. Oh my goodness, those were nice. But that's really the only thing that I liked about it. So just keep the gloves around. That's what you're saying. That's it. That's it. Okay. Only the gloves. <laughs> so I think we, we've moved on from the 2020 Winter Classic. All of us, great experience. Doesn't matter win or lose. But 2021, they've announced the Minnesota Wilds hosting it at Target Field. Wild, that's their first Winter Classic, second outdoor game because they had a stadium series at the University of Minnesota. It's been Central Division teams that are linked to play in that game. Who of the teams that the NHL have listed as possible opponents that have been rumored would you like to see Minnesota play next year? I'd like to see Winnipeg in it, to be completely honest. I think a Winnipeg-Minnesota game would be really nice. But I will point out, Target Field has a really small capacity for a Winter Classic. I think it's only 37,000 people. And then you go from the Preds Winter Classic at 85,000. It's so small. And you'd think that that would be a stadium series, but for a Winter Classic, that's just abnormal to me. 
I would have thought, and you know, they have that new U.S. Bank Stadium, but that's right. kind of that retractable roof, so I don't know if it's technically a doesn't count winter classic feel, <laughs> yeah. But I think it'll be cool because it's such a small feel for a baseball team that you get all that noise kind of trapped in there. Right. The team I was going to say is I'd love to see them play the St. Louis Blues, you know, Stanley Cup champions this year, or even the Colorado Avalanche, because I don't think the Avs have had a winter classic. They've had stadium series games. But I think it's great that they're going back up north, but I hope to see the south and maybe out there on the west coast a little bit get a chance because I've said it before, if it can work in California, they could definitely have a winter classic out there. Right. Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. We keep talking over each other. This is our friendship. It's a thing. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead though. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say cuz you mentioned them playing uh, Colorado, but if by some chance the Preds were to get a stadium series, Colorado would be who I'd want the Preds to play. I agree with that because that's where I was going to go next. The rumors have said 2021. Obviously, Nashville's going global next year and going overseas to play in Roman Yossi's home country in the Czech Republic. Um, he's Swiss. That's what I should have said first. But I, I think, you know, with the stadium series being more modern matchups, you don't really see rivals play in it technically anymore. You've got Colorado and L.A. going head-to-head this year at the Air Force, which should be really cool. I was going to say some team like Vegas for the stadium series, but that's just me. And I think Nissan Stadium, you saw how the All-Star game went. We've all seen how the Stanley Cup Finals went. There's no doubt a stadium series could succeed here. I mean, Gary Bettman already said that it's in the books, it's in the plan. I mean, Nashville clearly is a sports city and has proven to be a city that can handle large events like that. Um, so I think it's definitely it's on the line. And with how many rinks are coming in, how many people are starting to play hockey, it's just going in the right direction for hockey right now. So we just discussed the Winter Classic a little bit. When we come back, Time to get to know my coach and Abby Miles a little bit better hockey style. You're listening to Outside Smashville, Episode 5, here on Penalty Bosch Radio. Back here, Outside Smashville, Episode 5, joined again by Abby Miles, contributor and for Penalty Bosch Radio and my head coach in men's league, which we're going to get into in Segment 3. It's it's a great story. It's pretty funny. Um, but time to get to know you a little bit better hockey style. I've already answered some of these questions in the past. There's some I'm going to debate with you. But first question I got for you, who's your favorite team besides the Nashville Predators? I am a Colorado Avalanche fan when it's not the Preds. I have a lot of family out in Colorado, so it's always been a special place in my heart. I also love Nathan McKinnon with all of my heart. Um, But no, I love the Avs. They're such a fun team to watch. And just them being in the Central Division is just a bonus. Young team, a lot of talent. Kale McCarr, too. Kale McCarr. You cannot hate on Kale McCarr. How can you hate a guy named Kale? (laughs) Did did you see that on the the plane flight for Colorado, Nathan McKinnon got served like a Kale drink or something, and it says, Nathan needs Kale at the All-Star game? 
Oh, goodness. I love that. I don't think I saw that. <laughs> no, they just tweeted it out right before we started recording. Oh, of course I didn't see it then. I, oh, I, I love that. He's probably going to get the nod in that all-star last last guy in vote for the Central. I I would be fine with that. I wouldn't mind it either because he's been so much fun to watch. But the Avalanche, what's your favorite jersey the Avalanche have ever worn? Uh, well, the I have a Nathan McKinnon jersey, um, and it's the alternate. So, like, the triangle with the C, and that is so clean. That's definitely my favorite one that they've worn. I wish they were like the Hurricanes, though, and bring back the Nordiques jerseys for two games. You and everybody else. <laughs> and me and everybody else. We want those back. <laughs> okay, hockey idol. Who is your hockey idol that you grew up just loving to watch and play? So, all time. All time, or, you know, it can be recent, too. I'm good with that. Um, a guy that I remember watching as, like, I grew up and my dad was getting me into hockey was Tamu Solani. Um, he was just, obviously, he was the face of the Ducks franchise. Um, and I just remember watching him, and he's one of the main reasons that I got into hockey as much as I did. Um, because that was during, like, his dynasty. Um, so I'll always, I'll always love my boy Tamu. Tamu's. Tamu? Timu's pretty good. I, you're going to correct my friend. <laughs> I have to love the celebration when he did the the shooting of the It's glove. iconic. It's so iconic. Or that or that video he did when he was playing golf and came back for one more season. It makes no sense. It makes no <laughs> sense. And the Jofa bucket. Who can go against him wearing that Jofa bucket? Oh, my God. It was incredible. The the one I said on my last episode that I always loved watching was Vinny LeCavalier of Tampa Bay. Oh, well, of course. Vinny, Vinny was just such a fun player to watch. Or Marty St. Louis. Oh, I miss Marty. I oh, wow. Remember when they said he was too small and couldn't make it in the NHL? He was a short king. They <laughs> didn't understand. <laughs> they did not understand. But if I have to – I'll ask you this, even though it's outside Smashville. I think we all know who your favorite Pred is currently. But who was your favorite Pred kind of growing up to watch play? Growing up? That's tough. Um, I didn't really think about this one. Um, I really liked, uh, I mean, growing up, Patrick Hornquist was one of my favorite players. Um, I loved for a really short amount of time when the Kostitsin brothers were on the team, Sergei Kostitsin was my favorite. Like, he was my first jersey. I don't know why I liked him as much as I did, but I was obsessed with him, and I still loved the number 74 for that very reason. And then his brother was on the team, and then we had brothers for a brief amount of time, which was incredible. But they were awful. So <laughs> the uh, back check effort against Edmonton. Let's not go back to that though. I would say Steve. I, don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say Steve Sullivan. Probably. Oh, I love Steve Sullivan. I was at the game and I talked about it on uh, when Johnny asked a question last week. Um, I was at the game that he made his debut and had a hat trick against San Jose. And as a kid, just remembering him coming to the team, but. I'm always still going to be a real deal James Neal fan for e- for everything he did and just a great player all around. You can't not love James Neal. You can't. It's impossible. You can't hate the real deal. I, and I give him credit. You know, when we got Forsberg, obviously he wasn't as big a player yet. James Neal was the first real all-star I think this team had in the modern era that brought guys like Johansson in, Subban when he was around. Duchesne now. All these guys want to come to Nashville. Okay, after. well, to be fair, Duchesne has wanted to come to Nashville for a long time. Yes. That's, I've been that, following Duchesne for eight years. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But no, you are 100% right. Okay. I'm going to throw a question about Dallas in here. Oh, goodness. 
And I think we discussed this when we were talking about this podcast a little bit. In and out or Whataburger, which is your favorite? Okay, hear me out. In and out's burger style is really good. They're really thin though, which is kind of weird. So you have to get like a double double if you really want to get the full burger taste. But In and Out's fries are trash. Um, Whataburger's fries are definitely better, but Whataburger kind of reminds me of Sonic in a weird way. That that was the vibe that I got. So if I were to go all in, I'd I'd, I'd probably say Whataburger. But I'm glad I tried. I'm glad I tried In and Out. I I would agree with you on that on the Sonic assumption because they those burgers are big at Whataburger. Yeah. <laughs> but I I was always I when I was in Alabama a lot. Um, I had Whataburger a lot, so I was used to it. Right. But in and out just kind of being that West Coast or Deep South chain, there's something about it when you always go that you're like, I've got to have in and out I've got to have it. But all the food in Texas, I've got to say, that I had was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, that, that leads into my next question. I don't know how much you got to do in Dallas. What was your favorite part of Dallas? Um, well, I was able to go downtown a little bit and kind of just walk around. We didn't really have a lot of time because we got in so late on Tuesday and we didn't want to overdo it before having the longest day of our lives on Wednesday. Um, but I really liked seeing like the train system that they had in Dallas, because obviously that's something that I for sure want implemented in Nashville. And I think it would be really beneficial. Um, I think it would have been better for me to try it not on a day where 85,000 people were trying to get to one place. Um, because let me tell you, that train was packed. I had to wait for three because everyone that would come by was so full that you couldn't step on it. <laughs> Justin Bradford, again, sending out love to our man, Jay Brads. <laughs> Jay Brad. Uh, his video of him surrounded by Stars fans on that train <laughs> was fantastic. They started a cheer when I was in there because they knew and they were like, they, it was like the Dallas Stars, like the basic one. And then I just like whispered, let's go Preds. And then all the Preds fans in there started cheering. <laughs> it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. So um, back onto the NHL. Um, one NHL arena you want to see a game at that you have never been to? Staples Center. 100%. Really? Yeah. Um, I have this like vivid memory of me watching the 2014 Stanley Cup final with uh, Los Angeles and New York. Um, where Alec Martinez scored the overtime winner. And I fell in love with the L.A. goal horn. Um, so for me to hear that in person would be insane. That's that's a good one, though, now that I think about it. Yeah. Because of all the history out there. Um, this one may not may not be as shocking. If I have to go with one team in the U.S., it would be Pepsi Center, because I would love to go see Colorado play oh, yeah. out there. But my my dream has been the Scotiabank Arena, used to be Air Canada Center, where the Toronto Maple Leafs play. I mean, seeing any game, like seeing going to a Toronto Maple Leafs game is always going to be incredible because of all the history. Except for the ticket prices. We don't like that. (laughs) We don't like that. But we do love Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner, (laughs) yeah. And everybody asks, who's your favorite Maple Leaf? It's definitely Mitch Mitch Marner. Marner. (laughs) Everyone's like, Austin Matthews. I'm like, "Uh -uh. Uh -uh. uh-uh. 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 Okay. This one's interesting. Um, if you could bring back one team in the NHL that has been out of the league, who would it be? The Thrashers. I, I'm not surprised the Atlanta Thrashers. But think about it. You bring back the Atlanta Thrashers, you take away the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's that's pretty logical, I'm not going to lie. but I mean, I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I mean, 
you know, with Seattle coming in. But when they brought back the jerseys, I was going to say the Hartford Whalers. Okay, we were going more history. history. I was being more selfish. So, I don't know, though. The Thrashers coming back would be cool because you can make more road trips. And exactly. It it's not. so close. Like, St. Louis is only five hours away, right. but Atlanta's three. Yeah, and it'd be fun because, you know, that was my first time ever seeing the Preds away from Nashville there in Dallas. Really? The yes. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I've been to a couple games. Like, I've been to Columbus to see a game. I've been to Tampa Bay a couple times. I've been to Dallas at American Airlines Arena. And I'm forgetting wherever. Oh, Arizona. How can I forget that? That was this I was year. I say, that was pretty recently. That was this year. But um, I, I've never seen the Preds away from Nashville. And that's still a goal of mine. I, I kind of go back to where I want to see a game. How about like T-Mobile Arena? Vegas. It would be interesting. I'm still kind of iffy on the whole Vegas thing just yeah. because they're such a new franchise. They got everything handed to them in the um, expansion draft. It was new rules. It was dumb. They took James Neal. <laughs> I'm still really salty about it. But, I mean, they do have passionate fans, sort <laughs> of. you give them. <laughs> passionate fans as in a lot of people in Vegas with nothing to do. Yeah, going to true. a hockey game. But and they are very loud. I yeah. will give them that. And they get the Raiders next year, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My signature question, I think you're most excited about this. Uh, you're the coach in a three-on-three tournament with NHL players. You get one winger, one center, one defenseman, and one goalie. Catch is, no one can be on the same team. Build your dream team. And for those who listened to the last episode... My team was Eichel, Kucherov, Makar, and Gibson. Abby, your team. So, I have McKinnon at center. I think you all probably could have guessed that that was going to be it. Um, I got Pasternak on the wing. Um, I'm going to go full homer here, Yossi on defense, just because you you need an offensive defenseman in three-on-three. And then I got Freddie Anderson in goal. I like that team. A lot. Yeah. It sounds pretty nice. I was looking at it. I was like, hmm. Because, see, now that's you, Jack, and Danielle, all three had Yossi. And I think that would have been my other pick. But I would have had McCarr if you didn't pick it. Well, but you have McKinnon on your team. So who would you oh, replace? Oh, that's true. Who would you replace I wouldn't. McKinnon? I'd have McKinnon. You keep McKinnon. <laughs> that, I would have picked Yossi, but something about McCarr just still sells me. But I like David Posternock. That's a good one. I never really even thought about him. I mean, just think about it. Like the speed on the wing, the speed at center, and then Yossi being the offensive defenseman that he is. And he can take the puck all the way if necessary, which it wouldn't be with McKinnon and Posternock. And then Freddie Anderson in goal. Like, that's unstoppable. That is, because Anderson's been a lot better. And I pick Gibson because if you look at him, he's the sole reason Anaheim stays in games yeah. most of the time. But Anderson, that's another name. You know, since I had Kucherov, I was almost going to pick Vasilevsky and then put someone like Marner on my wing or Matthews. But I almost put Marner on my wing. Yeah, and – they said McDavid. I just went with Eichel because of how good a year Eichel's having right now, too. But I like that Posternock, McKinnon, Yossi because they're three different style of players. Exactly, and obviously McKinnon and Posta both shoot right. Um, I was kind of go. I was going to go for like a right and left just to make like the two on one more of a debate. But I mean, I mean McKinnon and Posta both have over sixty points this season already. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we're at the midway point of the season. 
man, coach, you know, you know your stuff back there. <laughs> They'd be <laughs> I research a little. <laughs> and we're going to get into that coaching stuff, but that was pretty fun. I always love kind of getting to know people in the way of hockey. But when we come back, Abby and I are going to do some NHL quick hits, talk about men's league hockey a little bit, trade rumors, and give out our NHL midseason awards. This should be pretty fun. Stay tuned to Outside Smashville, Episode 5, Segment 3 on Penalty Box Radio. into the third and final segment of Outside Smashville, Episode 5. Abby Miles of Penalty Box Radio joining me. By the way, you want to plug your Twitter handle in here so that people can follow you? A great follow, I might add. <laughs> well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Um, my Twitter is at Abby Miles with two Ys and two Ms. So A-B-B-Y-Y-M-M-I-L-E-S. I'm kind of funny sometimes, so you should follow me. <laughs> Some of the tweets, including that Justin Bradford giveaway we had at the Penalty Box <laughs> Radio party was pretty funny. Oh, it's probably not a winner for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get those from Justin, first of all. But... Uh, we're going to do some NHL quick takes, some general hockey quick takes. The first one's going to be interesting. I touched on it. Abby's my coach in men's league for the Nashville <laughs> Rampage at Fort Ice Center Bellevue. You're a level one certified coach, which is pretty cool too. <laughs> Talk about the story about how you got into men's league coaching. It's kind of a strange story, to be honest. Um, I knew a couple of the guys on the team, and so obviously I was going to a couple games, just having a good time, because obviously I'm going to go watch hockey whenever I can. Um, and at one point, the team was down. I think it was it was by a long shot. It was like 8-3. to three. And my friend Johnny on the team was like, he. I've known him for probably four years now, and he was like, come on the bench, see what you can do, blah, 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 blah. So I came on the bench, and I swear on my life, that game was eight to seven before I knew it. And ever since then, Johnny looked at me. He was like, Abby, you have to be on the bench every single game from now on. And that was a year and a half ago. So this is my third season because obviously it's like broken up in summer and fall leagues. Um, but yeah, so now here I am. I got my USA hockey certification because they tried to kick me off the bench. Um, but now I'm here. You, you want to know how good a coach she is. I've, I've now had three goals in the past two games because of her <laughs> coaching skills. Um, just telling me to drive the puck, but no, it's a fun time. And pucks in deep. Pucks in deep, you know, the <laughs> typical hockey. Yeah. Uh, we were moving the puck really well and uh, yeah. Um, but no, if you haven't played men's league, Bellevue has been great. I think that oh, new, phenomenal facility, new rink. Great to see all the people out there that are playing men's league across the three ranks. And I, if you want to see some fun men's league hockey, definitely check Bellevue out because there's some good teams, some former NHL players play out there, J.P. Dumont being one of them. <laughs> Mike Ribeiro sometimes comes. Mike Ribeiro, Ryan Smith, who's in the area. Um, okay, let's go on to an NHL topic that just happened today. Ilya Kovalchuk was recently uh, released from the L.A. Kings, the team the Predators play next. 
And he just signed a one-year two-way deal with the Montreal Canadiens for 700K. 700K. It's a two-way deal, so that means he can go to their minor league team. I'm kind of shocked by this move because I thought with how old Kovalchuk is, he might be going to like a Stanley Cup contender. Not saying the Canadiens are out of it by any means. I'm just kind of shocked he picked that team. What's your thoughts on him going to Montreal? I don't know. I'm still kind of weirded out that he's even back in the league in the first place. Um, So it's still something for me to get used to. But I agree with you when it comes to wanting to go to a team that's... Obviously, Montreal is not out of it. But, I mean, going to somewhere like, I don't know, like Washington or just like like a clear cup contender that will obviously make the playoffs however far they go. Like, he'd want to get as much experience as he can. But, I mean, a two way deal, how often is he going to get sent down? Yeah, and you can't really think that's much of a risk. It's a low, low risk, you know, maybe high reward buy for Montreal if he pans out to be what he was in the KHL and before he left. Right. I was always thinking he might go to somewhere like, you know, St. Louis with Tarasenko out or even joining the Colorado Avalanche just to add some depth or maybe even somebody over in the East like a Boston Bruins, like maybe even the Buffalo Sabres because he had some veteran leadership. But Montreal, if he turns out to be well and how well Shea Weber's playing, they could actually be legit threats over in the East, especially if Price stays healthy. Right. So the next one is a former Predator. P.K. Subban's in the rumors. Yes, again, New Jersey hasn't played well. They've traded Taylor Hall. Now P.K., not the team, P.K. wants out of New Jersey. The team that has been rumored is the Buffalo Sabres. There's also been thrown around the Tampa Bay Lightning, which if the Lightning got him, that would be Hedman, Sergachev, Shattenkirk, Subban as your top four. Which of those teams, and why do you think Buffalo might be a fit too? See, I don't think Buffalo would be a fit whatsoever. And it's just weird to think how... P.K. Subban's career is gone. He was in these long-term contracts for so long, like being in Montreal for as long as he was and then coming to Nashville um, for Shea Weber for the one-for-one. I think he'd fit well in Tampa um, because of how much of a defensive team that they are. They could always benefit from that, but, I mean, so could any team from a defenseman like P.K. But nobody forget that he can't control the puck in the neutral zone. Or that he turns it over all the time. He's got like nine points in 40-something games and is a minus 12 right now. And I mean, I know what we're going to say is it could possibly be New Jersey just not being that good a team. But kind of like you said, I think after that President's Trophy year, his form in Nashville just dipped to an all-time low. Yeah. It was just turnover after turnover. Like he became this unreliable defenseman that whenever he was out on the ice, I was concerned. Like, I didn't feel comfortable. Like, the way that Preds fans feel with Roman Yossi on the ice or Matthias Ekholm, like the comfort and the security of knowing that we have that strong defensive core, I never felt that with PK. And, and you got to wonder, who's going to take $9 million of a contract cap hit for another two years? I don't think there's going to be many teams willing for that at this rate, even though Buffalo's been rumored. I mean, they got Rasmus Dahlin back there on the point, but and PK could be a good mentor for him, but did they really want to take up $9 million of their cap? 
to have P.K. Subban for two years if he produces at this rate? Probably not. I wouldn't. Okay, this is one of the ones I think I'm really excited about. So I was going to do this, uh, but I'm glad to have Abby because we can have a debate on this. <laughs> Our NHL midseason awards. So we're going to give out five awards, um, the, the main five. The Jack Adams for Coach of the Year here at the Midway Point. Uh, the Calder Trophy for our Rookie of the Year at the Midway Point. Vesna Trophy for Goalie at the Midway Point. Um, Norris Trophy for Defenseman. And then our League MVP, the Hart Trophy. So we're going to start out with the Jack Adams Award. I'm going to go with Rick Tockett of Arizona. Arizona was a team who used to be a bottom feeder. After that one run they had against Nashville in 2011-12, when they took on the Kings in the Stanley uh, in the Western Conference Finals, that Kings team went on to win the Stanley Cup. Arizona was just never the same team. But this year, Phil Kessel comes aboard. They have a promising young player in Clayton Keller. Um, Jacob Chikrin's had a really good year defensively. Ekman Larson's still there playing strong. Um, you add Taylor Hall, and then the great goaltending duo of Kemper and Ranta has really allowed Arizona to go in a direction I don't think a lot of people saw them. They're second in the Pacific Division, two points behind the Golden Knights. But just how Arizona's played this year and not having too many star names to be that high up in a tough right. division, that's pretty impressive. But and they're such would, a young team, too. Yeah, but who would your coach of the year be? Or mid, mid-season. Mid-season. Um, I mean, I guess this kind of ties back to last season, too. Um, but I'm going to go with Craig Berube from St. Louis. Um, just just to go back to last season, what he brought them out of. And January 1st of the twenty of 2019? Yes. Uh, somehow it's 2020 now. <laughs> January 1st of 2019, they were last in the league, came back, won the cup final. And now they have continued that surge into this season. They're 26-10-6. They're first in the Central. In the league, oh my goodness, I don't even know. But they, with Alex Petrangelo, Ryan O'Reilly, obviously Tarasenko's injured. But young guys like Robert Thomas have been able to step up. And that team is dangerous. Nobody wants to play them nowadays. I didn't know how Tarasenko being out would affect them. But it it's almost <laughs> it's almost like they've gotten better without him. Ryan O'Reilly is a phenomenal fit for that team. Oh, yeah. And that trade that they made, everybody's like, why would you trade for O'Reilly? He's been kind of an underachiever. Well, he was in Buffalo. But now that he's got legitimate players around him, yeah. I mean, Justin Falk, who got traded there, he hasn't done anything. It's just been the Petrangelo show right now, Colton Perenko. Colton Prick is a phenomenal defenseman. And, and even Jordan Bennington has been pretty strong in that, too. So I agree with that. And, you know, Arizona's added Phil Housley back behind the bench. Miss Phil Housley here in Nashville. But now we're going to move on to the uh, Calder Trophy, our rookie at the midway point. And should we say it in sync? Because I think we both have the same player. Three, two, one. Kale McCarr. <laughs> um, but... I think it's obvious because McCarr, I've talked about it before. I think he's my prospect of the latter half of last decade. With how just gifted he is moving the puck, soundly defensive, you wouldn't think he's a rookie. No, not at all. With how well. He's four points behind Victor Olofsson, who's leading the rookies in points. Quinn Hughes, who's had a great year. We all thought Jack Hughes. Who is Jack Hughes? Yeah, who's Jack? (laughs) Quinn's been the better player, but... I just think it's hard to go against McCarr, even though he's on a Colorado team who's got some great players. 
He's their number one defenseman as a rookie. And you can't really find that much in the NHL right now. No. And he's so fun to watch. Colorado in general is fun to watch. But just seeing Kale McCarr, the way he's able to control the puck offensively and defensively, it's a it's a time. Yeah. And and think about it, too. Colorado was without Ranton and Landeskog for a while. And on, a de- on defense, he really stepped up his production and set up a lot. of. He's got like 29 assists this year, I think, something around that. But that's just how gifted he is. Hobie Baker winner, scores in his NHL playoff debut. It's hard to go against that for McCarr. I would say the only two really around him at the moment are Quinn Hughes and Victor Olsen. And that that would be my debate because Capo Caco really hasn't had the numbers, albeit on a New York team. Jack Hughes on a Devils team who's rebuilding. But I just think McCarr, so gifted, such a talent. I agree. Okay. Vesna Trophy, and I think this is the one we're going to have some debate on. Who is your Vesna Trophy winner? Um, I mean, I know I talked about him in my three-on-three team. Um, I'm going to go with Freddie Anderson once again. I mean, he's got a .916 save percentage, 2.67 goals against. He's the backbone of Toronto right now, who's already having a great season. Um, I, I don't know how you could pick somebody else, but I know you're going to pick somebody else just to bother me. <laughs> I, I will say, though, he's played a lot better since Sheldon Keefe took over that team oh, when yeah. Babcock got fired. I think everybody on that team has definitely gotten a lot better under Keefe's system. Yeah, and after hearing all that Babcock put that team through, yeah. when it was Mitch Marner as a rookie, yeah. giving like telling telling him like which players worked the hardest and which players worked the least hard, like that's messed up and that's such a toxic environment so for Babcock to be out of there it's good and it's not just Anderson you look at like Tyson Berry who didn't have a goal with that team until Keith came in and he's become a dynamic defenseman but I've already said a name from this team I I have to go with Darcy Kemper and if he's not the Vesna at least if there was a comeback player Darcy Kemper would be my pick because a 2.17 goals against uh, goals against average for a guy who most of his career was a backup goalie, right. whether it be with the Kings, whether it be with the Minnesota Wild. He was never the guy out there. But he comes to Arizona in 17-18, still a backup. Last year really gets a shot to play, goes 27-20. and And this year he's 15-8-2, 2.17 goals against average at a .929 save percentage. Oof. And he's been with Ante Ranta, who's not been bad either. But I, I went out there and I watched him play against the Blue Jackets, and he single-handedly kept Arizona in that game. And I, I just like the story of how a guy can go from a backup goalie to being the number one in the top for a Vesna Trophy. Right. And he's made some crucial saves for that team. But I think that's why I just would like to go with an underdog story in Darcy Kemper because it would it's it's like Robin Leonard last year when he was with the Islanders the tough trials and tribulations he was through uh, throughout his career to come back and be an elite goalie that would be the, it's not nearly the same for Kemper but it's a story for someone like him to possibly win the Vesna Trophy. Everybody loves an underdog story. Absolutely. So. Now we go to the Norris Trophy. There's some good names up for this. Always is. John Carlson at 50 points. Unbelievable year for him. Roman Yossi, 41 points. 
Victor Hedman, 37. How about Dougie Hamilton, 37 points? Who's your pick, though? I'm going to go with, I know, I really wanted to go with Yossi. I really did. Um, But Victor Hedman, just, he is so strong on the puck, strong defensively. He's a huge guy. He's massive. But, I don't know. I like the way Hedman plays. He's really reliable. And offensively gifted. Yeah, Um, he's got a... He's got a slapper, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that whole Tampa Bay team is finally seeming to gel with their depth. Kalorn's on a roll right now. He's got Sergachev, and we talked about the possibility. Shattenkirk also there, the possibility of Subban coming in if they did make that move. Right. I, I don't want to go with the obvious one in John Carlson. I thought about Petrangelo for how well he's playing. Could McCarr be up in it even at the end of the year? You know what? I would not put that away. I wouldn't put it away either. And Dougie Hamilton, here comes my homer bias. Roman Yossi's my pick. He's been the most solidly sound player on Nashville this year through a tough season. Yeah, There's no question. He's producing at a career rate. I think he's close to breaking his career high in goals. He's been a phenomenal leader for this team, sticking around almost for the rest of his career, no doubt. But he's been offensively sound and defensively sound this year. He's like a plus 17 right now, maybe even plus 19. But I just think Roman Yossi, since P.K. Subban left Nashville, has picked up the slack of the swagger and being more of the offensively gifted player. So I'm going Roman Yossi. Yeah, and he's really consistent. And and isn't he still on a point streak, I think? Something yep. like that eight-game point streak now? Mm-hmm. That's how consistent a guy Nashville needs. And I was just talking about how nice it is to have that guy on the back end that makes you feel secure when the Preds are playing. Absolutely. That I never felt with PK. Yeah, and, and I think he's made all the defensemen around him have better years. I look at Ryan Ellis. He's starting to get back to where he was. Dante Fabro. Fabro had the best game I think he's had all season in, in Dallas. No doubt about that. And, you know, even Eckholm's having a decent year as well. For Fabro to have so many veteran defensemen around him, he's going he's gonna to benefit from that a lot. It's just a matter of time before he's a top four. You know, he already is, but like one of the ones in the talk best defenseman possibly in the league absolutely okay finally league mvp at the midway mark i think everybody's gonna go with connor mcdavid or connor mcjesus whatever they're gonna call him leon dreisaitl's up there david posternock's been there and as much as i hate to say it brad marshand even panarin having a decent year eichel having a decent season kane leading a chicago team that's still in a rebuild Playing about as well as the Preds are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm sorry. There's one player I think this team that's so valuable to a team, and McDavid can be said the same, that he carries them night in and night out with his leadership both on and off the ice. And if he's out of the lineup, you notice a difference. My heart trophy winner at the midway season, Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon. (laughs) So we both agree on that. 62 (laughs) points for McKinnon. I think at the start of the year, McKinnon like had a point in something like seven straight, all the first seven games or something like that. I believe that. 41 games played, 25 goals, 37 assists, and a plus one. And he's he's never in the penalty box. Eight, eight, Eight penalty minutes. He's clean. 
he has eight power play goals and 23 power play points. My goodness. And and that's just how gifted I I wish that that year McKinnon was in the draft with Seth Jones. Somehow Nashville could have tanked for the Oh, top. don't even get me started on that. <laughs> that is a dangerous topic. It's a dangerous topic. <laughs> Although Seth Jones did bring us Ryan Johansson. But I, McKinnon's just one of those guys that is going to be a face of the NHL for a long time. He's only 24 still. But definitely my league MVP right now. Oh, no doubt about it. I completely agree. Who would your, who would your close guy behind be, though? If you had to pick somebody, um, I mean, I really don't want to pick McDavid. Um, I'd say probably Drysidle. Drysidle, I I can see that because you know nobody really thought he'd be up there. I mean, he works with McDavid, but I'm going to tell you, I I kind of want to go with somebody off the wall and almost say Jack Eichel. I mean, that's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick. He's not that high up in the points. I mean, he's ten points behind the top guy in points, but He's also on a team that doesn't really produce as much. And they've not had a bad year, honestly, considering years past. But I think it's obvious we go with McKinnon because of just how gifted he's been. I love him. Okay, finally, fan question we got, and I think this is a good topic that we need to discuss. So, A.O. Puck, my good friend, thank you again for your question. Uh, He said, Ovi's decision not to be at this year's All-Star game. Couldn't he have just gone, not partake in the competitions, maybe play a few shifts for the fans? And this is how I'm going to translate this question. Players get suspended if they don't play in the All-Star game because it's about the fans. They want to see the top players come together, play in this three-on-three tournament. We saw the first ever three-on-three format come to Nashville, and what an experience that was. The guys weren't, you know, they weren't not trying they were wanting to win because there was money on the line and it was for their division do you think that players before they get into this all-star voting need to let the league know or let the fans know that they are not planning to partake in the all-star game i i think it's fine if there's an injury that happens but not just not playing, I think, is wrong for the fans and wrong for the league. Absolutely. I think they should definitely let the league know because the fans are excited. Like, obviously, Capitals fans are going to be disappointed. I mean, that's their top guy just not coming. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Does he not want to get injured? Is he just old and broken? Because we all know he's not. I don't know. I mean, he's still the best to possibly break some records in the NHL right now. He's still playing at a consistent rate. I know he's gotten older, but... And he has so much fun at the All-Star game. He always does. Absolutely. And I know Yager, when he got voted as a captain that year that it was in Nashville, he originally thought about not coming, but he thought about the fans. And he just set out the skills competition and played in the game for a couple shifts. And I think that's what Ovi should do now, albeit he's got a kid now. He's trying to spend some time with the family, but bring the kid to the all-star game. We saw what they do in the skills competitions, bringing the kids out there to shoot in that shootout. Yeah, you see Brent Burns always do that. And Brent Burns. I never forget the and Chewbacca. Pavelski. The Chewbacca thing. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I hate it for the city of St. Louis. Some fans who maybe want to see Ovechkin play, they never get to see him play. Right. Because the Eastern Conference and Western Conference only meet twice a year, once at home, once away. But people want to see Ovi and they want to see McDavid. They want to see McKinnon all play together. But it's unfortunate. I will say what's really cool is how many first-time All-Stars there are going to be in St. Louis this year. That's true. You know, guys like Kachuk, 
Um, Dougie Hamilton. I don't know if Dougie. I, actually, Dougie Hamilton is there because he got um, got the invite to go. I'm so mad Sheshnikov didn't get in because he's had such a good year. But there's so many good first timers getting to go. But you got to have your veterans go into that game. Like Patrick Kane always goes. Um, Petrangelo going this year. O'Reilly going. Bennington going for the home fans. I just think if you're not going to play, don't waste the votes. Let someone else exactly. be voted to be the captain of that team. Because he was voted as the captain by the fans. I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't either. But, again. Russians. Russians, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that was fun, Abby. Uh, thanks for coming on. And really appreciate great topics to discuss the Winter Classic this year that we saw and next year, getting to know you hockey style, and then some quick takes. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I had fun. And if you're listening to this, Sunday, 8.30 p.m., (laughs) final game of the season, Nashville Rampage play at Bellevue. Abby and I would appreciate the support. But for for Abby Miles here, I'm Sam Fleming of Penalty Box Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Outside Smashville, Episode 5.